0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit TrinityChurchLondon.com. I want to serve what the Spirit seems to be doing this morning um, in terms of bringing joy, and bringing happiness. Our hope is that Trinity Church London is a place where everyone can, can be themselves. That there's, there is no pressure on you to be conformed to a certain culture, age, style, ethnicity, whatever it might be. That however you come, that we want you to be in a place here where you know this is the place that I can rest, I can be myself, I can... I can I can breathe in this place who knows like who's experienced being judged in the past, like anyone being looked down upon anyone like I think we've all probably experienced like someone's given us that look, you know like the, the look up and down or whatever, it might be what we're wearing, it might be what we look like, it might be our accent, it might be our age, it might be our ethnicity, our skin color, or something. and someone has just said something or, or even worse, when you have you ever heard somebody <laughs> say something about you when they didn't know that you'd heard and it was not positive. It made you feel great, didn't it? (laughs) You know, oh, that really built me up for this week. And we can, we feel that sometimes. We can feel, we feel judged. And I think sometimes life can feel like this, like, ongoing kind of courtroom where we are continually judged. Um, I mean, I'm finishing my studies at the moment and I have an essay to do and uh, it's a funny academic pressure is a funny pressure craig loves to pile it on his students you know <laughs> <laughs> oh they easy but there's a funny thing you know you spend 3 years or 1 year whatever it might be longer and your whole worth is kind of crystallized into one figure you know and you're kind of judged by this this is this is you your last 3 years of work this number And you can live with like impending judgment kind of coming upon you. Will you do well or will you do badly? But we can have pressure from all sorts of places, from our parents. Some of you have grown up with pressure. Any pressure from parents to be a certain way to do well? Kira is saying, yes, I feel that. (laughs) Sometimes it's just societal pressure on us to conform to this kind of like the social media mainstream. You must conform to what unless if you don't you know there's severe consequences sometimes it's our own hearts you know like we put our own pressure on ourselves like we feel disappointed in ourselves because has anyone ever said you know something like you know by the time i'm 25 i want to be this when i'm 30 i want to be this 40 I want to be this and you have this plan and you sail through those age groups and still not met those things and you can feel like what did i do to let my Self down. There are these standards and expectations that we put on ourselves sometimes. And sometimes the worst of all is standards that come from God that we are continuing to try to, to strive to, to meet. If you've ever had someone speak a word over you or pray a prayer or give a prophetic word over your life, some of you may know the experience of rather than that being a releasing thing, what you hear is, I've really got to work hard to achieve that prophetic word that has given, been given to me. And what happens is rather than you being freed up to serve God, pressure and striving begins to like, because you want to reach this like, God says this about me, how do I get, it? I don't feel like that. And you, anyone feel that? And you like suddenly start working really hard to try and meet these, these standards. When I, when I kind of started following Christ at about 17, and I basically thought I had to achieve Holiness, because the Bible says be holy like God is holy. So I thought, well, I've got to try and be holy. So what I would do almost every night I had these big A4 journals, I would get in red biro because I thought it was appropriate. I would confess all the sins of the day. Because I would think, well, God says be holy. So I would like literally go through the day as though I could even know all my sins, you know, like. And my goal was, you know, every day to try and reduce the number of lists with this idea that I could one day attain zero sins in a day. You know, like zero injuries in this factory, zero sins in my life for X number of days. Maybe I could live and elongate. And I had this like, I'm trying to reach but what happens if you live with this, like, this kind of feeling that you've got to meet standards expectations? We know it, right? Either you feel great because you're like, smashed it last year, did it, got a great result, you know, got a distinction, whatever it is, I, I'm meeting my parents' expectations, and you feel great. Or you feel utterly deflated, right? You feel like you're just eking through life with zero energy, wondering, Am I worthy to be loved? Could anyone love me? Am I going to amount? Is my life worth anything? And so we can live with this flipping between feeling good and feeling bad, right? And what we've done as a culture is we've kind of institutionalized this and called it self-esteem. We've basically said, yeah, there are things that you probably want to meet, um, And if you don't, your self-esteem might be low. And if you do, your self-esteem might be built up. So we're going to help you and build up your self-esteem. And you Google like mainstream charities, mental health websites. They talk about self-esteem and building up your self-esteem through building little goals, little achievements, so that you feel like you can do more and more and more, which is all very well-intentioned. I'm not saying it's badly intentioned but I'm not sure it's actually the most helpful way of viewing life. Self-esteem basis: if you do well, you kind of puff yourself up a little bit. And if you do badly, you get deflated a little bit. So we want to help you inflate yourself, but not too much because we don't want you to be full of yourself, but just like in between like low and high, this perfect ratio of self-esteem. We want you to live in this kind of... Uh, Paul actually has this completely different way of looking at life. Not where we're always trying to meet standards of those around us or in our hearts or even God's standards. But he, he, as it were, throws this whole system that we now call self-esteem. He throws the whole thing into a big pit and covers it with soil and buries it. He sees the whole thing crucified and lives an entirely different way of being human. For us, it's, I think it's so hard for us to reimagine what it would be like without this, without having kind of standards and expectations to meet. But, but Paul just puts the whole thing to one side. As it were, hes I'm not going to play this modern. If he had the language, I think he would use it. I'm not going to play this self-esteem game. There is an entirely different way of being human he talks about this because he says in verse six in this passage he says i have applied all these things we're going to get to that in a minute to myself and apollos for your benefit brothers and sisters that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up that is it's this idea of a balloon being puffed up and it's this sense in which yourself gets inflated This is not a good thing, although we spend so much of our time as a society trying to inflate people's sense of worth. He says being puffed up is not a good thing because it causes problems. I want to give you five quick problems, and I promise they'll be quick, as to why self-esteem is probably not a good way of living life. Five quick ways. Firstly, it's going to be super fragile. Anyone feel like that? Some days you feel good. Some days you feel bad. How many people, like, it just takes the slightest word from someone and it, like, just deflates you? And we talk about it like that, don't we? Like, I feel deflated. I feel flat. It's this balloon puffed up language. It's fragile. You put a balloon... I mean, life is painful at the best of times. But you put a balloon through, like, a something sharp, it's, it's going to pop. It's going to... You're going to be fragile. Someday you're going to flip. I mean, some people just live flipping and they just think that's life. You just live. Some days good, some days bad. And you just got to deal with... Uh, Paul says it's actually an entirely different way of doing things. The second thing is life will be unnecessarily painful. Tim Keller, who preached a message on this sermon, a brilliant message, he says that you've you got to imagine like ego is a thing. Like our ego is a thing. You're a self, I'm a self, I'm a person, you're a person. We can't deny that. But an ego has got to be Like a toe, as he describes, like it's there, it it exists, but it doesn't occupy any like attention. Do you know what I mean? No one's walking around wiggling their toes, or they shouldn't do anyway, unless you've got really gorgeous toes. But you know, that's how your ego has got to be. You're thinking like, what gorgeous toes? No, just bear with me for a second. What happens if like you get a blister on your skin? Like even the slightest blister. It's like this little inflation of like pussy, airy thing. The slightest painful. Right. The other day coming back from South Africa on the plane and I just brushed my hair like this. And I winced with pain because I'd suddenly developed this like tiny little spot here. You don't want to know that. But I was like, it was agony. like just to brush my hand against it because something was inflated on myself. And when our ego is not operating like a toe, but more like a kind of inflated blister, what happens is we walk through life and we're continually getting it brushed against and life is unnecessarily painful. So if you're always in meetings and being hurt and having emails and being hurt and talking to people and being hurt and being annoyed by life, the problem may not be other people. It may be. Yeah? There might be something that's inflated and causing unnecessary pain in your life. So it's, un- it's also divisive, because is what Paul says here. If you're puffed up, you may favour, there'll be a favour against one against another. Because if you feel like you've met a standard, what happens is, if you feel like everyone else should meet that standard, you will begin, even with the politest English of smiles, you will begin to look down on other people because I pulled myself out of this so why can't you if you've ever walked into a judgmental or critical church religious community or hoity-toity restaurant and people look you up and down because you're not wearing the right thing or whatever you will know that kind of experience suddenly divisiveness because you're not like us you're not dressed like us you're not. Doing it's divisive. Also, you'll always be looking for a verdict. If you're trying to meet just reach a standard, the standards are always changing. Culture is changing all the time. Expectations. What was in the mainstream 10 years ago is not in anymore. So if we're always chasing mainstream approval in society, we will forever be chasing a final verdict. Am I accepted? Am I enough? Will I? Am I okay? Even if you get the A grade, even if you get the best job, the top salary, there'll always be something else. And you think, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? And lastly, it's just confusing. I think self-esteem. Have you ever wondered, like, I feel good about myself. Can I say something nice about myself? Or is that... Arrogant. How much self-esteem is too much? Because we all don't like the person who is full of themselves. We've all agreed with that. We've all agreed that to have no self-esteem is a bad thing. So where in between no self-esteem and be too full of yourself is enough? And you're like, how how do I live? It's just a. Confu- I've thought. How, it's just confusing. I remember for, for years I I was trying to be humble. I mean, don't laugh, but I was like trying to be humble. I really was sincere in trying to be humble, and I literally got myself in knots. Like, does that mean if there's a queue on the bus, I should let everyone else through? I literally, had conversations with friends about what does it even mean? You're standing at Paddington Station for like four hours, just letting people onto the train, waiting because you want to be humble. I didn't know what it meant. It's like confusing if we're thinking about ourselves. Paul says, there's a compl- he sees this whole thing just crucified, buries this. I just think it's so hard for us to reimagine this. It's not that we want, we don't want, it's not like, oh, come to church. We want to keep everyone really humble. Like, we don't want you to have any self-esteem around here. That's not the message of today. Like, oh, Trinity Church London, they say no self-esteem church. That's what it's all about. There is actually an entirely different way not to puff ourselves up, but to see ourselves built up because he says just a couple of chapters later he says this he says in chapter eight now concerning food offered to idols an issue we're going to get to another day he says we know that all of us possess knowledge and this knowledge puffs up that's negative that's i i know things i feel good about myself in fact i feel better than other people because they don't know these things he says but love builds up there is a way in which we can be built up like muscles and bone and tendons are built up to strengthen us, to be organically part of us that aren't our ego being inflated. And this is what Paul gets to, this entirely different way of doing life. So are you with me? Would you like to know an entirely different way of doing life? Sure. Well, thanks, Pete. <laughs> I do. I mean, I was driving into church this morning and I was happy. I'm tired, but I'm, I was happy. I was like, I don't have to play that game. Like for years I played it. And every now and again, you just have these fresh reminders of the love of God. And you think I'm so free to be myself. we just can be like, it's happy. I think it's like, we lucked out with Christianity. That's how I feel like this is, this is really good news. I'm really happy that I'm a Christian. And I think this is what Paul gets to. Because Paul, for his situation, he had started this church in Corinth that I think was quite a critical environment because Corinth had done very well for themselves. They were wealthy. They had done well in business. They dressed the part. They could afford the clothes. They could afford the nice food. They liked the philosophers. They liked the public speakers. They had the entertainment around them. They were on the edge of the, pros- the, 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 the prosperous side of life. And when that comes, you have the opportunity to look down on other people and to criticise others. And so into this environment, this, this culture that appreciated wealth and fashion and looks and public speaking, comes Paul, who didn't have any money who people would say his letters are great but his preaching is average at best who didn't have any looks who didn't have nice clothes who didn't try and play the philosophers games in terms of oratory of the day and so the church were criticizing him and judging him and saying that this man is not a man that we want to to listen to so if i knew there was a church out there who thought that about me i would be like okay uh Joe Bloggs' church down the road, I'm taking a wide berth of that church. Like, I don't want to hang around a group of people. If you know, public speaking at the best of times is exposing, right? You're all looking at me, judging me, thinking, what's he really like? What is he wearing today? I don't know, like, I don't know what you think. Nice things, I'm sure. But it's an exposing thing. So what does Paul do? He doesn't think about himself. He doesn't think about what they're thinking. He happily Joyously, gets stuck in with this church, says, I'm coming to meet with you. I'm going to pastor you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to write this letter. He marches straight into this environment knowing that he wants to love them and serve them, even though they are judging him and criticising him in their hearts. He is happy if people judge him or don't judge him. He is just Paul doing his life. And this in this passage is really what we learn, like the secret source of his life. This is how he lives this kind of free, happy, confident life. This is what we read in chapter four. He says this. This is how one should regard us, knowing that there's all this criticism as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So he has this church that is trying to own him and trying to place the judgment on this man saying, we don't like you. We prefer these leaders. And Paul is saying, you misunderstand my life, that I take my cues not from you, church, but from Jesus Christ. When he says I'm a servant, we shouldn't think in terms of like the modern slave trade. This is a very different thing culturally to be a servant in in this day. Was actually more akin to employment, and actually, those who were servants had quite high status. These were academics, these were philosophers, these were managers, these were accountants, these were teachers. Those, these were em, those employed in a household to serve. And he's saying, my cues, my employment doesn't come from you. I'm not looking at you to take my cues, and you're not doing my annual appraisal. Christ he is my employer and I serve Christ and I live for him he does my appraisal I'm looking to see what he thinks about me so you can say anything you like because all my eyes are on on Jesus they're thinking no 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 you're ours you say no I belong to Christ our culture today says to the church you're ours you conform and we as a church you say no we're not yours We belong to Christ. We look to him for his appraisal, not your appraisal. It says, I'm the steward of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of the stewards that they may be found faithful. But faithful to who? Faithful to Jesus. But with me, this is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court and you've got to hear what he says here and it's really important he says it's a very small thing so this is not paul like kissing his teeth at the church and giving it all the sass and being like i'm not listening to you anyway talk to the hand because the face ain't listening like this is not paul getting sassy on the church like i don't need you anyway that's what culture says right if someone out there like disapproves of you what do you do you just get rid of them. Don't listen to the haters. You decide what you're going to do. All you're doing is like just switching standards, their standard for your standard. You're still playing the same game. Paul isn't doing that. He's saying it's a very small thing. We're going to get to it at the very end. Like, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm still going to move towards you. He's not washing his hands of them, saying, like, fine, like, I'm going to find a church that likes me. would be my inclination, but not Paul's, thankfully says i don't judge myself to the crazy thought i don't not judge by you or any human court or even myself and he even says this for i am not aware of anything against myself but i am not thereby acquitted and i think this is amazing because like i don't even judge myself but he's not saying like i've decided that i'm okay like we could do he's not saying that he's not saying I've actually I've judged that I'm fine so I'm just going to leave my judgment he says I don't even trust my own judgment of myself what he's saying I don't think about your thoughts about me and I don't think about the culture's thoughts about me and I don't even think about my thoughts about me that's how radical this gets I think Paul in our today would say, I don't even listen to my feelings about myself. I don't take my feelings on board as a judge as to how I'm doing or who I am. Because today, right, we're in a, this emotions, feelings, obsessed culture. Who, what I feel inside is now the truest thing about me. How I feel. And that plays out into every area of my life. I have all these identity politics that gets played out. Why? Because it's what I feel. So if I feel this I must be able to express it because our feelings in our culture have become the judge as to who I am. And if I feel this flicker of this, well that must mean I'm that. If I feel this then I must... So what happens when you wake up and you feel condemned and you feel like you are worthless and you feel like you are ugly and you feel like you won't amount to much. Our culture, like, well, listen, you've got to listen to What's in the hands? It's so utterly confusing, right? Paul said, I don't listen to that. Even if I'm doing really well. I planted 10 church last week, opened the Bible, sneezed, another church was started. Like, I'm just, I'm (laughs) fruitful everywhere I go. I say hi to people. They come to Christ. You know, it's just, one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Like he, He's still not judging himself. He's not saying, I'm doing really well. His eyes aren't on himself. I am a servant of Christ. All eyes on Jesus. All to him, looking to him. What is your appraisal over my life? And this is the final thing. He says, "Like it is the Lord who judges me. You don't judge me, nor the culture, nor myself. It is the Lord who judges judges me this is the way this is throwing away self-esteem and there's an entirely different way where we take our eyes off ourselves and we look at jesus the thing is for most of us i think we hear something like that as probably bad news <laughs> like well, you've just like raised the standard surely because like culture they expect some stuff parents myself etc and now you're saying god the holy god he judges that doesn't feel like a good deal it doesn't if we're thinking in worldly terms. I'm, my name is Daniel. I'm not starting at the beginning of my sermon again. I'm, my name is Daniel. And in Hebrew, it means God is my judge. And I grew up with this mug. And uh, <laughs> have I talked about this mug before? No. <laughs> Tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on this mug said Daniel, you know, affirming my identity God is my judge and it was a cartoon mug and it was a boy who had kicked a ball and smashed a window and it resonated me because I had smashed quite a few of my parents windows garages golf balls footballs rugby balls all sort of that so I was like I resonated with this mug and uh, out of the clouds came this big finger from God wagging its finger with a fail sign saying you have failed <laughs> yeah I mean looking back now at the time I didn't think anything of it I was like that's my name that's uh..." (laughs) who did give me that mug (laughs) someone was trying to tell me something but that's how we can view it because the world thinks right you have to do your performance you have to do something at the end of your doing then you get your verdict do you pass or do you fail right You do your work for three years. Did you pass? Did you get a degree or did you fail and not get a degree? You get your year's worth of work. Did you pass your appraisal? Did you fail your appraisal? Did you pass your test? Did you not pass your test? Even in your own heart, did I do well this year or did I not do well this year? We think we in this terms, I do things and then I get my verdicts. I get my judgment. Here is the good news of Christianity that should make us happy it flips everything on its head everything that the world knows and says you can receive your verdict and your judgment before you've even done a thing you can be declared righteous before Christ on the basis of his work and from that place live the rest of your life with the verdict already in it's the difference. Christianity is the difference between good advice and good news. The reason I came to church today happy is knowing that Christ didn't come along to give us good advice on how to be a more spiritual person. That would be endlessly crushing. He came to give us new life with his own righteousness. It's the difference between someone telling you tips on how to take your exam and someone taking the exam for you, smashing it, getting an A star, and saying, I'm gonna credit this to your account so that you can go to whatever uni or whatever job that you would like to. It's a difference between someone coming alongside you and saying, here's some ways in which you could make some money. And like, there seems to be more and more YouTube videos that are just like popping up, like, how to make money, multiple income streams. It's like, we're obsessed with all of this stuff. The difference between that and someone saying, actually, I've just credited your account with five million pounds and it's yours. No strings attached. Do what you like with it. That's Christianity. It's not advice. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I'm not saying that someone has put five million pounds in your bank account. It's better than that. Truly better than that. Christ comes and he lives the life that we could never live the life that we know in our hearts if we're honest if we're not a Christian and if we are a Christian for all of us the life we know we cannot live however good the externals look however good the socials look we cannot live it in our hearts. And Christ comes and lives that life in thought, word and deed. And he is crucified on our behalf. And he dies with all of our failure, all of the standards and the expectations that we never met. He is crucified with our sin so that we might go free and in his death he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness and the verdict as he is crucified as he dies his last the verdict is in when God the father tears the curtain in the temple that is him declaring this verdict saying you are welcome you are mine you are in the family you are now a co-inheritor with Christ you can come and sit with Christ on his throne you are now welcomed into the heavenly court you can pray and I listen i'm going to give you the nations they are going to be your inheritance you are mine now he says all of this right now is yours christian amen this is what paul says in romans 8 there is therefore now right now no condemnation do you believe that For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. We couldn't keep these standards. But Christ did something in our place by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh on the cross. So you might sin tomorrow. Are you under condemnation when you sin as a Christian? No. No. Because all of your sin was dealt with on the cross. My judgment day has already happened. God is my judge. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not waiting for a judgment to come in. I'm not waiting for the verdict. I'm not waiting for the end of my life to think, how did you do with all that I gave you, Daniel? No, my verdict is already in because of Christ being crucified on the cross. Amen. And from this approval from God, I go out and live my life freely, Amen. boldly, happily. Yeah, stuff stings sometimes. People say stuff, they don't like me like I want to be liked. But it doesn't crush me, it doesn't shape me, it doesn't mean I change what I do because I'm looking to, to Christ. He is my everything. And it gets, can I say, even better. I don't think it can get even better, but it it feels good. So I want to give you one more bit of good news. Because he says this in the last bit of this passage. He says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. That's like when you're talking with one another, don't be quick to judge another person. Like Just there's Jesus. He's the judge, Right. We don't pass judgment quickly. We know what's going on. You're criticizing other people. He says, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Have you ever thought, if you're a Christian, what that day of judgment is going to be like in the future? Like, we are judged by Jesus on the cross and we're found approved but there is also a day we're told when all the dark things in our lives will be disclosed and the purposes of our heart will be revealed anyone wondered about that a few people yeah I mean right now and if we were to announce next Sunday is the disclosing of the purposes of your heart Sunday and the bringing out of the darkness of your heart into the light. So it's gonna pass the microphone round or it's all just gonna be like laid out on the TV screen here. It's like gonna watch Marcio's life for the last 20 years. The inner thoughts, you know, what he really felt. How would that feel? Like no one's coming to church, right? That's not, <laughs> everyone's got COVID that week, no. we're not. That sounds terrifying because we live in this sin-soaked kind of shame. But that day when my life will be revealed, all the inward thoughts, all the feelings that I had towards everybody and myself, there's gonna be no condemnation in that moment. I won't be like coyly looking. Oh, Lord, oh no, no, not 2023. I can't watch this year. I'm not going to be like trying to look at my shoes, like trying to look look in and realize it's not why. Because we've been told there is, therefore, now, right now, no, my judgment day has happened. So when I stand before Jesus, and you stand before Jesus, and everything is revealed, my thoughts and emotions, all the private everything about me is revealed before you and before myself there'll be no shame every time a sin is read out there'll be this declaration forgiven i'll be like i was forgiven of that as well and you will be amazed that i was forgiven of that as well because you will know everything in your heart you think you were forgiven i was forgiven like everything is forgiven by christ it will be a cause and ongoing cause for joy and celebration and worship as we account for everything that we were forgiven of it is endlessly good news so if there is any doubt in your mind i pray today that it would be banished we take our eyes and we look to christ crucified my verdict's already in And what would it look like for us to be a church that had the verdict in already? I think we would be a really happy church. I think we'd just be relaxed because we're not striving. We're not trying to get ahead. We're not trying to prove ourselves in the eyes of anybody. Let at least God, because we're commended. We've been told we're we're already commended. So we'll be happy. It means we can be ourselves. Sin. And righteousness, like it just come, confess sin quite easily, because my verdict is already in. It might feel shameful now because we're in this sin-soaked environment. I might be super embarrassed, but I'm commended by God. The verdict's already in, so I can share this. It doesn't, doesn't taint my righteousness to confess this. I'm in Christ. so we'd be free to share in with our lives. I think it we'd be, would be a church that would be just very slow to make assessments of other people's lives and what's going on because we just don't know. It's Christ who judges us ultimately, right? There are times we're gonna find out later when there are overt sins and we have to talk about these things. We just don't know the workings of hearts, behind the scenes, cultures and all these things. So just be very slow. We won't trust our emotions, I don't think. I think we'll be a church that, when we gather together, when I'm tired today, I don't feel good, so I'm just going to sit back and like uh, just take it easy today. No, it's like, okay, I feel like this. I'm going to park that to one side. The scriptures call me to worship. So, irregardless of my feelings today, because this is not about me, I'm going to give a great God great praise. I'm going to sing great praise to this Jesus. Amen. Because we're not passing judgment on ourselves. We listen to Jesus. He's done great things for us. I think we'd be a church with increasing energy because who knows how much like energy gets sapped when you're worried about what other people think of you, right? If you're always worried, like, what are they thinking? It, it occupies, like, it just drains your energy for life. But the freedom that Paul has just to keep going, just to keep happily ministering and serving and preaching and praying and loving people and welcoming people, even as they criticised him. It's just this energy that would flow through us and the church. And we could be this beacon in the middle of a city that is continually judging and criticising. We were this beacon, this oasis in the middle of the city that would pour forth another way of doing life because of Christ Jesus. Charles and I were chatting. We're just saying at the beginning, like, we want to be a happy church. I mean, that's like, that'll be a. I, I don't know about you. I want to go to a church that's just a happy place to be around anybody. And it means just believing, trusting against our emotions, trusting in the finished work of Christ. Amen. Amen. Maybe if I can invite the band back up. I want to lead us in just a time of response and because I know not because I'm prophesying just because I know me and I know people and I know you therefore that there are people here and you've like felt crushed by your own expectations or not living up to prophetic words or what you felt God said. Even this hint that God might be still disappointed with you or just like the heavenlies kind of criticizing or slightly holding back from you because of something you feel like you let him down. or For some of you, it might be that there were things in your life where you were moving in what seemed like freedom and ministry and fruitfulness and life just took over and tangled everything up and you're living with this what feels like post fruitful stage in life and I think some of you are just struggling with feeling does the Lord approve of me for some of you you might not be a Christian yet and you've always imagined that being a Christian is a kind of moral or a Christian version of improving yourself and you may have even said to someone, I can't be a Christian because I can't be as strong-willed as you or I can't do those kind of things like you. What I want you to hear today is that being a Christian is the opposite of doing. It's a trusting in Christ Jesus because he has done everything for you. And so for some of you, you might, this might be the day where the first time you give your sin to Jesus and you receive His commendation and you live from that place.